I partnered with her because I wanted to be able to provide this experience, this sort of Vita experience on a smaller scale to the BIPOC community and in particular to the Black community. And um, she was already involved in the organization. So we have been working together since since then. And, and yeah, helping genuinely working really hard to break down barriers, have better representation within Comba and Vita, and actively creating safer and more inclusive spaces for these communities. Inclusion in the mountain bike world is a topic I feel I am the furthest from qualified to talk about. From my lens, I've grown up mountain biking and have always lived in areas with well-established trail networks and people to ride with. Well, the reality is, depending on where you come from, entry into the sport or new community is just not that simple. But what is so cool is the energy that the mountain bike community is creating from new trail networks and community events, along with coaching programs, out to create something for everyone. Recently, I caught up with Golden Colorado local, Britt Greer, a Yeti ambassador, Vita senior coach, Kumba director, and private mountain bike coach on the side. Britt is a great ambassador to sport, not just because she's a total badass on a bike, but because of what she is doing for the community. We talk about how she got into mountain biking and the path of entry for so many, what it takes to grow as a mountain biker and how anyone can benefit from some coaching. There are some great things happening on the mountain bike scene and who better to connect with than Coach Britt. All right, let's dive into it. Britt, I can hear you perfect. We're both in closets. Yeah, welcome to my closet. (laughs) I don't spend too much time in here, so this this will be interesting. But it's the perfect, uh, it's perfect, perfect st- sound studio. Yeah, I reached out to friends trying to get some headphones that were in the podcast world, and they said, "Worst case scenario, just get in your closet." Totally, it actually sounds fantastic. Okay, great. I split my time between my closet or the back of my F one hundred and fifty. That seems to be the two podcasting locations. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I wonder if any car would work. It does because just like the way that the acoustics, it's like that slams and then it just, yeah, everything's kind of contained that way. Yeah. And it's got like all the car cushions that help. Yeah. But Britt, welcome to the Talk Yeti podcast. We've been trying to connect for a while. So thanks for making this happen. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad you were able to make it work. I feel like last time we chatted, you had a million things on the go. It kind of seems that's the way every time we talk. But (laughs) last time was like, you were like nine days in a row coaching. Is that right? That is right. Okay. So summertime's on, summer's on. Are you coaching almost every single day? Just about, yeah. I need to start giving myself a break here because I actually have a wedding coming up in September. So um, I got to chill out in August. But yeah, that's kind of how it's going. And, you know, with the growth of mountain biking this summer and a lot of our Vita mountain bike series selling out, our clinics selling out, there's been such a high demand for coaches this year. So yeah, it's just, it's been slammed. Well, because I mean, in general, you've probably seen this more than anyone. Everyone's getting into mountain biking. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Okay. You feel it on the trails here for sure. And so coaching is your big thing. Um, You said Vita, but uh, you're coaching on a variety of different platforms. You're doing it independently. Uh, Describe that to me a little bit. Yeah. So I've been coaching for seven years now. Um, I coach all levels. I coach male and female. Um, I don't coach kids, although I'm coaching kids for the first time in a couple of weeks here um, oh. with big brothers, big sisters. And yeah, I coach with a variety of groups. Um, Vita Mountain Bike Series is is kind of the main group and what who I started with. 
Um, I also help grit out uh, and Trek dirt series. And then I do a lot of private stuff on my own. Um, so yeah, it's, it's busy. But you haven't always uh, mountain biked. Like mountain biking is something, did you say 11 years ago you got into it? Yeah, I didn't get into it um, until 2011. So 10 years ago, uh, when I, I guess I was 24. So very late in life. Well, I mean, you still had the the get up and go at 24, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, at that stage in life, I was definitely willing to to crash and push it. And I mean, you know, still kind of am, unfortunately. I wonder when that's going to end. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm fairly new to the sport considering. Um, but it, I was just, I was pretty hooked right away. And I recognized through coaching that I was able to share that joy and passion with so many others and mm-hmm. just really help them progress and find that joy in a, in a safe, comfortable way. So yeah, I, I love it. Of all the things I do in the mountain biking world, that's, that's my favorite. And obviously it's something you do the majority of, like how much time do you balance between coaching compared to just riding personally? Like how often do you actually ride just? Yeah. That's the unfortunate part is, you know, being in, I also run the Combo Women's program, which consists of a lot of events and being in the events world, it's just it's a lot. So, I mean, I do, I do try to find a balance and I do try to put myself first as much as I can. So I, I probably still ride four to five days a week. Um, and then, and then coach most days, you know, I can coach in the morning and then ride in the evening or what have you. Yeah. You got the full day. Well, see, I'm relating to this because I guide, you know, mountain guide over a hundred days in the winter time. Ooh. And I may only get five to 10 days of personal skiing. But when I look at the season, it's like, I don't feel like I miss out on anything because when you're coaching or you're guiding, you're like already going to the best stuff, but you're already hanging out with these amazing people and you're getting the satisfaction of like bringing the best out of people. I'm I'm sure you're feeling the same way. Yeah, totally. It's so rewarding. It it is. And you find time for yourself. And like you said, you're still out there and you're still doing what you love. And it's, it's even more elevated because you're sharing that love with others. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Here's the thing with coaching. I grew up mountain biking. I've been doing it. Like I don't even really remember how to, I remember taking the training wheels off, but I've always biked, never really got coaching. But I feel like I'm a terrible mountain bike coach. And I think part of that comes from, I never learned. Like I just, I taught myself along the way. So do you think it's a benefit, the fact that you didn't just grow up mountain biking and you had some coaching along the way? Or how would you summarize that? You know, that's interesting. I think one that's very common, you know, some of the, like the best skiers and mountain bikers in the world can't for the life of them teach someone how to ski or mountain bike. Um, I, I think it definitely takes a lot of training and a lot of practice um, to figure out how to verbally and physically show people what you're talking about in a way that's, um, that's translating and also recognizing in clients who, you know, if they're visual learners or audible learners, or if they need to do it. Um, so you know, figuring that out. Um, but I, I do think the training programs that are out there, whether it's PMBIA or BICP, um, offer a ton of of help in, in language and communicating how to get your message across. Yeah. I feel like my next question is going to be very cliche about a female getting into the mountain bike world. But I think this is going to help paint the picture a little bit about, you know, where you've been putting your focus in in the future um, and, and, you know, present and into the future. So the cli- the cliche question really is, Britt, like as a female getting into it, you know, what what was it like getting into the mountain bike industry? Yeah. Or just mountain biking. Um- well, okay. So women that have been biking for 20 years are going to like scoff at this because gosh, when they started, there was, there was literally 
no women or very few women. Um, but even 10 years ago when I started at 24, there was very few women on the bike. Um, and I do have the unfortunate cliche story of getting introduced to mountain biking through an ex-boyfriend. Um, but you know, it, it that's what, it, that's, that's what it was. was. That's, yeah, yeah. There just, there wasn't other, there wasn't a lot of other women that were, that were doing it. So um, yeah. And then I didn't realize how much I, I was doing it cause it was sort of, cause it was his passion and he really liked it. And I thought I'd give it a go. I wasn't like instantly hooked, um, per se. And we shortly, we broke, broke up like the, the next season. And I, that's when I was like, wait, I still want to do this awesome thing. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I had to find my own community and that community was a lot of comprised of a lot of men. Um, and it, it I didn't recognize that in full until, I discovered Vita Mountain Bike Series and this whole community of women mountain bikers that were out there um, and just how different it is to to be riding and learning amongst other women. Um, mentally, it's it's just so different. I you know, there are some there are some classic gender differences that do exist. I think women are just really supportive and encouraging and we want to like break things down and know how to succeed mm -hmm. and know that we're not going to crash. And men are, are more apt to just kind of like throw themselves off the drop and hope that it works out. Um, <laughs> so I immediately I, think about guys at the bottom of like a drop or something. And it's like the first thing they'd say is like, you got it. You got this. No coaching. Just, yeah, just you, got it. you got it. You got this. We also got to get going too. So just hurry up and go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and women are like, no, how do I have this? Like, yeah. how, how I'm going <laughs> to yeah. get this? Um, so yeah, when I discovered that there, that there were, there were these pocket communities of women um, in the sport, I was like, screw all my guy friends. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now, and it just felt like a really safe and supportive and encouraging place to learn. Um, and so I'm trying to offer that in our community now. Um to grow that female community, to make it, to make it less hard to find, to connect them all, um, to have them be empowered amongst each other. Um, and, and this year, obviously a huge push in the BIPOC community to offer that same thing. So, so yeah, that's my cliche story in a nutshell. <laughs> but I mean, so many people can relate to this. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about why Vita in particular is so rad. So Vita started, did it start in the Denver area? What, what's the history with it? Yeah, well, Sarah Raleigh was was cranking on it when she was up in um, Summit County, but you know, obviously tapping into the Front Range area because that's where the majority of the population is. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and but but to be clear, it's female specific. Yes, coaching and events and uh, like break down exactly what what happens with Vita. So Vita hosts um, female mountain bike clinic series. It, it read about my clinics throughout the state of Colorado, um, typically on like downhill bike parks. We try to take advantage of, mm -hmm. of that because it's a great place to learn and progress. It's just like skiing. You can't really get good at skiing in the backcountry. just yeah. going up one lap. You've got to be at a resort. So anyways, we take advantage of that and, um, host these clinics that are, are consist of like, you know, anywhere between 50 and a hundred women sometimes. I mean, pre COVID. Yeah. It was definitely like a hundred women clinics. Um, and yeah, splitting up into groups of like six, eight, two coaches and really progressing women throughout the course of that weekend or sometimes just a one day clinic. Um, and it has since grown to be so much more than a clinic series. It is now this just really passionate community of women that are doing so much more than just clinics and coaching. You know, we are offering so many events to our, our community in forms of like shop nights and group rides. And they're, they're partnering with mm -hmm. me at Comba to help bring all these into fruition. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's just an amazing community of women writers of all levels, all ages, all types of 
identifying women. I mean, it's it's an amazing community, and they now have the Impact Committee, which is doing a lot of work, um, a lot of really difficult, hard, and often uncomfortable work to tap into the BIPOC spaces and and make us a better organization, or make Vita rather a better organization. So, yeah, it's it's a great great community in so many ways. But what do you need to get into a Vita camp? Do you need like you need a mountain bike and you need all the gear before you show up? Is that right? Yeah, you do. You do need to have a mountain bike um, and gear. You know, some, some of these beginners are showing up in just shorts and tank top, and that's totally fine. Um, we do have some community events that if if bike access is an issue, um, Yeti has been a really great partner in getting us, uh, getting these women bikes to be able to try the sport. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, you do have to, you do have to have all, you know, yeah, I gotta have a bike to, to show up for the most part. But I want to, I want, I've, I've got some questions with that because you have been working on breaking down like the barriers of entry to the sport. So I really want to hear some of the exciting things you've been working on in that, like in particular. Yeah, that has been such a rewarding journey and one that started last March. Um, you know, when the Black Lives Matter movement really got some legs, I partnered with a woman named Brooke Gowdy, who's also a, um, a Yeti ambassador and a Vita ambassador. Um, and just an incredible woman. She's currently doing the Great Divide right now. But I partnered with her because I wanted to be able to provide this experience, this sort of Vita experience on a smaller scale to the BIPOC community and in particular to the Black community. And um, she was already involved in the organization. So we have been working together since since then. And, and yeah, helping genuinely working really hard to break down barriers, have better representation within Comba and Vita and actively creating safer and more inclusive spaces for these communities. Um, and it has been an, an awesome journey and not one without its challenges. I have to say, you know, it's, it's really hard work. Um, but you just got to keep leaning in and, and, and moving forward. Um, and yeah, so our first one was last year with black girls do bike and six women showed up. Yeti was extremely supportive. Oh my gosh. It was right in the middle of the pandemic and there was no bikes to be had and no one was doing demos and Yeti like somehow pulled it together and got us these seven, six or seven bikes for these, those women. Um, and everyone was like so stoked and the joy that was on their faces and after in their hearts after the event was so amazing that we knew we had to keep going. And I think three weeks later, two of the girls had purchased their first mountain bike and we were like, okay, this we've got something. So in our programming this year, we've incorporated um, a few of those, an additional one with Viva Wellness, which is the Latino organization here in uh, Denver. And then I'm partnering with Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is underserved children, many of which are BIPOC. Um, and, and this year, the Black Girls Do Bike Clinic had 22 women. Um, all of them showed up and about half of them had bikes. So it was like- No way. Oh, you saw- Yeah. yeah this is working. Like it was, it was cool to see, like when I first started the Comba women's program in its infancy, infancy, it was very similar, like six women. And then it went to 20 and then it went to 40. And with the black community, it's mm-hmm. same thing. And it's like, our efforts are working. And it, that is so rewarding to see that one, it's working. And two, that those communities of, of black women and BIPOC women, they're out there. They just are not getting enough support. Um, or they don't have people galvanizing the groups together, or really they just don't have enough support that they need, or they don't, they're not seeing it represented. And, um, those those safe spaces just aren't there yet, but we're getting there. It really does sound like it's very approachable. You come to one camp, maybe on your own or maybe with a friend, but then you meet the 12 people and then totally. you meet like it's just it's probably similar to Vita. It just keeps growing out and out like that. Right. Totally. I mean, these women show up like so nervous and really scared. And then they instantly look around and recognize like, oh my God, everyone's nervous. And I'm not alone. Like everyone doesn't know what they're wearing or what they're doing. And it just instantly feels like so safe and loving. 
Oh, I love that. What about the the girls and boys club? How does that work? And how is that different? Um, yeah, so Big Brothers Big Sisters is Big what they're called. It's a national organization. Um, and I've been with that organization for eight years now with my little. Um, and she's just a huge, has become such a huge part of my life. This, this wonderful black woman. Um, she's actually in my wedding. She's gonna be bridesmaid this fall. Um, what? So you, yeah. you, you guys met mountain biking and she's, no, 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 you- no, no, This is through, sorry, sorry. Big brothers, big sisters. Oh, that's mentor- okay. So it's the, yeah, I get it. I get you. Mentorship program. So we met when she was six years old. Um, and now she's 15 and she's like helping what? us with these black girls do bike events, you know, with check-in and whatever. And it's really opening up her eyes to this whole community of black women black women that are athletes and doing awesome things. But so I wanted to provide, I'm like, I'm, I was trying to think like what other organizations and communities really are out there that are being underserved. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, there are a lot of children in the Denver area that are underserved. Um, and they don't know that mountain biking even exists to them inner these inner city kids. Biking is just like oh, either they see like dorky road bikers getting around yeah. the city or they're just like using them to get around their neighborhoods. Um, and they don't even know that mountain biking exists. So I would love the opportunity to open up their eyes to that and show them that it's not just a sport, but it can also be a job. It can also be a, yeah, it can be a career. It can be a community. It can be a hobby. It can be a sport, whatever. Um, so I'm partnering with them this year on um, with Comba as a representative of Comba, um, and doing a skills clinic at the Ruby Hill bike park in Denver, uh, and with a, about 30 of those kids from big brothers, big sisters. God. And it's just like, same thing. It's going to grow out and it's going to grow out. It's going to grow out. I want to talk about growing out. And we talked a little bit about the trail network around the front country and what's going on at, at Blackhawk and Floyd Hill. And so I've only been in the Denver area for the last two years. And in those last two years, it seems like the throttle has been down because what I've always heard of the front country in particular, people have hated on it a lot. And I mean, I thought it was pretty good. But then I start seeing the crowds and, you know, but I, but I have totally seen things transfer like White Ranch is turning mountain bike specific. And you've mentioned Kumba a number of times. And what exactly do you do and what is Kumba and what do you do with them? Yeah. So Kumba is the Colorado Mountain Biking Association. We are the chapter of IMBA that is largely responsible for building and maintaining the trails sort of between like uh, Boulder and Colorado Springs and then West for the most part, don't quote me exactly on that. But, um, so we're, we handle a lot of the front range area. And, um, I started on the board of Comba, gosh, eight, eight years ago, six years ago, seven, eight years ago. Um, and then realized that I wanted to be more, it's, I mean, the organization does so much, you know, we do a lot of like the trail maintenance and building. We, we do community events, we do fundraising to keep it all alive. And I wanted to do something like more active in the community. So I started the Combo Women's Program uh, six years oh. ago now. And so the Combo Women's Program is a, is a part of Comba and that I run that we do women's group rides and shot hands on shop nights where women can come and like learn how to work on their bikes in a safe place. Um, and then these skills clinics, but yeah. And then there's a sector of Comba that does all the trail building and yeah, mm-hmm. throttle is down. We are, we are certainly <laughs> trying. I mean, it's hard because I've got a good friend out in Seattle in uh, Portland and, and she's always kind of like scoffing at us because it's like, Oh, we got a mile of directional downhill only trail in white ranch. Or like we're, we got two miles of trail in Blackhawk and, um, over at Floyd Hill. And, and she's like two miles. That's all you guys get. Like, what the hell? 
Um, so, but there's, there's legitimate reasons for that. I mean, it is, it's, we've got some unique challenges here in the front range. Well, it's, it's such a different culture, you know, in Canada, the Pacific Northwest, you have so many people that just go into the woods and start building illegal trails. Right. But I've been trying, that's awesome. Like the culture of that's great, but it's a little different because the ecosystem and let's just say the available terrain is there. But right. the front country, it's just it's just busy. There's like there's homes everywhere. There's just there's just a lack of space. Is, is that what it is? Yeah, I mean that is that's one of the biggest problems is that we do have a lack of available public lands, and the public lands that we do have that are available have been available for generations, and so their initial use was for hiking and hunting mm-hmm. and horseback riding for for generations and generations and generations, and you can't really go backwards on that and take those user rights away that's really hard and any place that's not already developed politics kicks in and and we have to decide between there's kind of two camps of people of preserving and protecting our wild spaces or providing a user and visitor experience um and jcos which is the land manager jefferson county open space which manages the land here in the front range the limited land here in front range um you know has sort of leaned more towards preserving and protecting and I don't know. You can't fault them for that. There are set. I just learned the other day that there are 7 million visitors Mm -hmm. in one year in the JCOS system alone. So that's like, you know, 10 to 20 trail systems. What? In a short little 30 mile stretch or something. I mean, 7 million. So that's, I think we do have some unique problems here in, in the front range. We have lack of land, the land that exists has already been designated for hikers um, and horseback riders and, and we have to figure out this balance between like how to balance 7 million people and preserve and protect our lands and our, our wildlife also. Where is a good spot to start? Because I still feel like there's a good diversity of trails in the front country and, and whatnot. So where do you guys go to teach a lot of your clinics? You said a lot of downhill specific, but wh- where's a good place to start? Yeah, Like if you're just starting into mountain biking? Yeah. Where, where are the yeah. good, where's the good trails? Yeah. Great question. So like very beginner, brand new, you've kind of never been on a mountain bike before. The two best places are Bear Creek State Park, which you can get into for free if you just park outside and bike in. Um, That's a hot then, tip. That's a good podcast hot tip right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Brit yeah, life hack. Yeah, right on Fortnite <laughs> and C470, there's a parking lot at the gas station park there and, and pedal in. Um, so yeah, that's a great area. And then South Table Mesa. And those are both kind of used as gravel trails too. So you can kind of get a scent. You can, I mean, you're a mountain biker, you know that if it's also gravel trail, it's very easy, very Mm -hmm. easy. So that's like beginner, beginner, brand new, never been on a bike. And then the next step up, you know, more beginner trails, um, but more familiar on a bike. Uh, Green Mountain is an awesome trail system for that. And then North Table Mesa is a great system for Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then if you're pushing it to more sort of intermediate advanced stuff, you can go to the classics, which are Apex, White Ranch, um, and sort of Red Rocks, Morrison slide area. Um, Dakota, I would put in the more like advanced camp because it's just really, yeah, (laughs) really, really chunky and flat. And so you have to be a really technically strong rider to enjoy that place. Um, I would also put, this is outside of, of our Comba dirt jurisdiction because it's in Boulder, but um, Left Hand Canyon is an awesome place if you're an advanced rider. Oh, um, yeah, and then and then intermediate, advanced slash advanced. Also, again, Floyd Hill and Black Hawk, which have now have downhill mountain bike 
only trails, directional downhill, um, are awesome places too with different progressive lines. You know, you can like stay on the main track and take the intermediate line, or you can go on the B lines and get some more advanced trails. So, but this is what I think is so cool. Like, especially compared to like the Portland or Pacific Northwest Canada, you've got normally you've got one trail. This is the trail. But if I think about Floyd Hill, you know, you've got this this downhill line that you can meander the way down your way down. And then your next ride, you're like, oh, I saw a feature. I'd like to work on that feature. There's like in the one trail, there's all these different lines. It's like totally. so well laid out. And it's like, yeah, I'm just so excited to see the progression of that. And and yeah. I'm sure I, coaching, do you do you get like super jazzed on the fact that you you can just see the progression just in the, the trail alone? Yeah, those trails, those news trails that we've been working on have been especially fun because like you said, there's alt lines. And so, you know, if someone's like really not feeling comfortable, they don't have to do the hard line. They can like cruise on the the main path or you can progress them on all these different features. I mean, there's like such a variety of different line choices. Um, so yeah, it's always good taking people to those kind of trails. I forgot Three Sisters and and uh, Lara Bear, which are awesome intermediate writers in case you're listening to this podcast. Those are those are really good in-betweens um, between... North Table and uh, Green Mountain and like the Apex sort of White Ranch. This is the thing. Like I, I don't, I do not let people hate on the Front Country. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's are. really good. Like you're, you're in the city of Denver. You have access to. Like, I was out riding Floyd Hill, the backside, the other day, and it's like we're out here. This is the mountains, and this is just yeah. half an hour away from Denver. This is awesome. I love hearing you say that because you're. <laughs> One, you're from like one of the coolest places on earth, you know, BC. And two, you're like an outsider coming in and you're an awesome mountain biker too. And you come in and you're like, no, you guys actually don't have it that bad. I mean, sure, these trails have 7 million users a year and they're very crowded, but you have so much, we do have a ton of variety and it's all within such a short distance of travel. And that's pretty special. I mean, it's it's also really cool to see how the new trails are being built. It's it, it, They can handle, with all the rock, they can handle all that traffic. What happens at home here is when you get all these these, these users, the trail just ends up widening so much. But I, I find Floyd Hill, it's like, that's as wide as it's going to be. There's parameters around it. You're riding the rock and it can handle it. Yeah, that's an interesting um, insight too. I wouldn't have thought about that. But yeah, we do have very rocky terrain. So you get what you get. <laughs> And that's the biggest thing, Brett. I find uh, my biggest weakness is actually riding in the Colorado front, front range in particular. It's like rock, it's loose. And uh, I've been needing to get some coaching. I, I've got some tips from Sean Neer. We're out doing a bit of a photo shoot with, with the new Yeti line. And he just gave me like one subtle thing about my elbow and braking. And it just like it completely changed my year. Every time I go to a corner, I'm like, okay, elbow up and then break at this part. And uh, it made me think about asking you the question. We we had this on a conversation earlier, but I wanted to ask you, what would be the big, you know, the biggest tips you'd give someone new to mountain biking? And and my mindset to it is like, okay, you're going to give me this, maybe the male mindset. You're probably going to give me these like technical things to think about, but I love that you took it in a different direction. So what you said, and I want to hear your reaction from it. I was like, what are the biggest tips? And you're just like, well, get a coach, put in the time and embrace the session. I was like, well, yeah, I guess I didn't even think of it that way. But, you know, you know, why is it that you would give people uh, that advice even before the technical side of it? I mean, those pieces have to be there first yeah. before you like break down the foundation. I mean, you have to like, get a bike, you got to get out and ride it and get comfortable on it. If you're not comfortable on a bike, you're not going to be comfortable thinking about, oh, am I breaking with one finger? Are my eyes ahead? Are my pedals level? Like, no, you're just like horrified on the bike. So first get the bike, start riding it. Um, 
And then, yeah, I, I mean, when you asked me that question, I was like, well, you know, do you want like technical advice or <laughs> advice on how to progress outside of that? Um, cause you know, kind of two schools of thought. Like I always tell my clients this sort of rule of three that I give them. Like if you're ever on the trail and you get hung up on a feature, don't just say grr and like walk past that feature and ignore it and, and move on. Stop and try it at least three times, but not oh. much more than three times. Because if you're sitting there and you're trying it 10 times, you start getting like really mentally frustrated with yourself and you're like, I suck. Like, why can't I get this? So give it three goes. If you're not feeling it that day, move on. But if you do get it, then do it three times successfully so that next time you get to it, you're not like, oh, that was just a fluke for whatever reason I was get feeling good that day or at coaching or was following that person. Um, if you do it three times in a row, you know, like, okay, I've got this. So I kind of send them off. That's like a tip that I always send them off with the rule of three. Um, and then, yeah, of course there's like, I could dive into so many technical tips of like, I don't know if, I don't know if you want that or not. <laughs> well, you know what I found is you know, I learned by just screwing around on the grass, whether it was yeah. wheeling or just like trying to balance um, but I like what you said. So a lot of times, and I, I kind of want to talk about the flow of coaching. So you get a bike, you start learning, and then you make some mistakes, but then you come out for a session, you come out for the coaching session and you develop, you know, you, you get given some skills. And I, I'm sure the first thing people like their minds are blown, they can feel it right away. And they're like, all right, let's go out again tomorrow. But you don't say come out again tomorrow. Right. It's like, right. How yeah, does that go? I, yeah, so many times they're like, oh my God, I can't believe how much I've learned. This is so beneficial. Like, when are you free again next? Can we schedule for, you know, tomorrow or the next day? And I always tell them, you know, no, we cannot. You have to take these skills and or at least take three, your top three, and work on those for two weeks. And and not just two weeks, like I put them, I give them a goal. Like you must ride at least five times before we meet, we up next. And so that gives them like a lot of motivation. And I ask, I follow up, I ask them like, where did you ride? How did it go? How long did yeah. you ride for? Um, because yeah, it's, you can't just like get coaching and expect to get better. You really, you do have to put in the work as we all know. So, and I think so many times people come to these coaching sessions and they have, they don't even know what they needed to work on because they don't even know what the skills, what all the different skills are, or they don't even know that they were that cornering the difference between cornering and switchbacks or so they're just like, yeah, their minds are blown by like all that they've got to work on and uh, that they, where they can progress and how they think about writing here on out. Um, so yeah, it, it, like you said, a lot of it's like in the parking lot, in your grassy yeah. field in in your driveway, like you can practice this stuff everywhere. What about for advanced riders? Like to me, I didn't realize I was slow at corners until I came to Colorado and everyone was just whipping around them. But for <laughs> someone that's more experienced, do you, do you see like a common habit for the experience that just like gets maybe lazy or what, what are, what are some tips that you'd give someone or, or anything that you've noticed that people are lazy on that, that could get uh, refreshed? Um, I think corners is like for any, for even the advanced writers, corners is something that like everyone always needs help with. You could always be better. And I'm sure every corner is different and they're not all about <sighs> the same. And yeah. And, and it is a very loose terrain here, like you said. So that's like scary for people to rail into them. Um, but yeah, cornering is definitely one, whether it's body form, like getting their hips to the outside, their, their inside knee pointed, the bike leaning enough. I think like leaning the bike, people are scared to lean the bike, especially in Colorado's loose, loose terrain. Um, and then, like you said, the elbow and the elbow tip is a really great tip. Um, it was your outside elbow that he was talking about. Yeah. Or both elbows. Yeah. Just <laughs> blew my mind. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Good work, Sean. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have no doubt he's got all kinds of tools in his toolbox to pass along to people. Um, 
but yeah, that's a big one. Um, drops. I think a lot of people are, are really uncomfortable on, on bigger drops and jumps. I'm not, if ever, if anyone ever comes to me and they want advanced jump coaching, I pass them along to a different coach here in the front range that uh, has a downhill background and is a solid jumper. Um, I love drops. I love drops, but I'm not like this. I haven't spent enough time working on jumps personally. <laughs> I mean, I can do them, but I'm not great. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you as a coach um, I assume that you don't feel fear or something like that. Like, do you, like when you're riding down the trail, are you just like the perfect textbook? Like, I'm going to put my elbow out like this. I'm going to ride the corners like this. Do you get scared riding, Britt? Of course. I mean, all of us are pushing ourselves. So of course I get scared. I mean, new trails that I don't know what's around the corner or there's a big drop. You don't know how big it is. What's You've never hit it before. Your friend just went off of it. And of course I get scared. We're all pushing ourselves. So um, yeah. yeah, no matter how good your form is, sometimes you're just in over your head. So what sort of things are you working on right now? Um, presently, like in my own personal writing. Yeah, in your personal writing. Uh, not, uh, not a ton of progress happening at the moment. Um, and that is on purpose uh, because we're pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. So I have had to, to put a halt to a, lot, to a lot of things. I One, advanced clients I've had to turn away. Um, and two, I've, I've really had to, to uh, pull my own writing back. You know, it's funny when you're a pregnant woman, the first 12 weeks or so, you feel great. Like you've got all this extra blood and pumping through your body and you like feel super strong. I mean, all but of course, like nausea and extreme fatigue. But for the most part, you feel good. You're not showing and you're like, just like, hell yeah, I can conquer anything. Um, so you, you do have to be like really mindful of, of pulling it in. I, I had unfortunately had a scare that that forced me to remember Tone that, remind me of that. I had a, a little crash where I just, I nicked my bar. Um, and it was a solid reminder that uh, I need to set some new barriers. I think, I think as mountain bikers, like we all kind of, we all do love that adrenaline. Mm-hmm. We we love to push ourselves. Um, and yeah, uh, not the time to do it when you're pregnant. <laughs> but I would assume you weren't riding anything extreme. You weren't doing drops. Was it something that caught you off guard? No, of course I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I was even like in the back of the line. I purposely brought my puppy that day to use him as an excuse because I was out with friends and I was like, oh, I'm going to use Kaz as an excuse to like stay back and go slow. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was 6.30 in the morning. The light was bad and I turned to this slow corner um, and the sun was right in my eyes and I just clipped my bar on on one of these bridges. Um, but, you know, it took me off my bike and, and scared me enough. Um, you know, I, I actually did have to go to the hospital because I, I busted my liver I was bleeding internally, which was, oh my God. Yeah. Scary on its own. No one wants to be bleeding, but especially scary when you're pregnant. Um, and I, I did go down a, a spiral, a shame spiral in the hospital. Like, oh my God, am I a selfish person? Am I a selfish mom? Am I, what am I doing? Um, but I had some amazing doctors remind me you are not selfish. There will always be judgment amongst when you're pregnant, when you're a parent amongst yourself and from the, from those around you. And, you just have to get comfortable with, you know, reevaluating every step of the way. Um, and, and no, you're not selfish. I mean, you know, falls can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like my ear doc was like, I fell on the ladder. I fell down the stairs. One said I fell on a bike. You know, they can happen anywhere. And I think a lot of us longtime mountain bike athletes feel, do feel very comfortable on the bike. Um, and it does feel like second nature. And, um, you know, a lot of people would argue against that. There's things out of your control. And of course that's true, but 
again, there's there's no right and way, there's no right and wrong way of of pregnancy or parenthood, and every woman has to evaluate that for themselves and know that there's going to be judgment on both sides. Yeah. So you've uh, you've toned down the riding a little bit, but you are still mountain biking. You're still coaching. Yes, I am still coaching nearly every day, and I'm still mountain biking nearly every day. Um, it just I had to set some firm barriers for myself. So you know, blacks are kind of off limits. Um, yeah. Bike parks are kind of off limits. I am coaching at bike park this weekend uh, with Vita, but, but, you know, I've purposely asked for a more intermediate group. I usually take a more advanced yeah. group, um, you know, no wheels off the ground. So I'm not allowed, no, no matter how easy that drop is and how many hundreds of times I've hit it and how comfortable I feel on it. I just no wheels off the ground right now. So yeah, I just, for me, it's, I've just had to take a step back, reevaluate and like set some barriers. And I feel very comfortable biking during pregnancy and hope that that can continue for the whole nine months. You're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I have to say, no man has mountain biked pregnant. So I, I sometimes yeah. do feel like an extra badass out there. <laughs> Hell yeah, girl. Um, so this kid is going to have the best entrance into mountain biking. You guys live in Golden. There's trails at the front door. All this work you've been doing to set up the trails and all these clubs. Is that kind of unfair? Or are you just really psyched on, uh, on this upcoming Grom? I am so psyched. I mean, we have worked really hard to be where we want to be in life, both physically. I mean, every day we wake up and we are like, gosh, we are so fortunate. We feel so lucky to be here and have trails in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am just, I'm so elated that we we waited in life. I'm 34, Ian's 40. I'm I'm so happy we waited in life until we're at a place where we can we can be here and and show our kid the joy of cycling right out the back door. But not everyone gets that opportunity. So I want to finish, but just give us some advice. If you didn't grow up with some badass parents like you guys, and you're thinking about getting into mountain biking, or maybe you just got a mountain bike, um, you don't have any girlfriends to go riding with. um, So you're in Denver. How do I get information or how do they get information on uh, where to go? And what advice do you give them? You know, what, what path do they take? Where do they find this info? Yeah. Are these adults that you're talking about or kids? Adults. Yeah. Adults. Yeah. This is. I mean, gosh. Yes, yeah, I mean, kind of same way I did. You just local shops are a great resource. Call your local shops. Um, they've always got group rides going on. If you're if you identify as female, check out Vita Mountain Bike Series or Colorado Mountain Bike Association, comba.org, C-O-M-B-A.org. Um there's every city ha- most cities with mountain biking trails have an IMBA chapter like Comba. Um, and and they usually have tons of social rides. Um and Facebook groups too, like Google Facebook groups, mountain biking in the front range, or um, that's a great resource. And like, don't be afraid to stop people on the trail. And yeah, like, especially if you see people in a group and be like, Hey, are you guys part of a group? What are you doing out here? Um, and they might, they might like open your eyes to a whole, the whole community out there of people. Um, so yeah, I, I know it's hard. A lot of people aren't as extroverted, but what, yeah, I think there's a ton of ways that mm-hmm. you can, you can still meet people. And the sport is growing infinitely. So I, I think oh, there's a shortage man. of people out there. <laughs> and Vita is like the Vita website. I assume they've got camps uh, and everything on there. Yeah. And private coaching. You can purchase private coaching. You can pr- purchase the clinics. Um, and that's VitaMTB.com. And then Comba.org has our women's program. And we have monthly women's rides every single month, the third Tuesday of the month. Uh, we have our shop nights, which are hands-on mechanic nights. Um, and then we've got skills clinics, which are little mini versions of the full Vita experience. They're just, you know, four hours in the city of Denver after work on a weekday. Yeah. Um, so lots of opportunities for women right now. Um, but, but also for men, I think there's, there's no shortage. 
I feel like next I need to check in with you and Brooke, but Brooke is doing the, you just kind of breezed over it. It's pretty badass. She's oh, doing God. the entire, like <laughs> she's doing the what traverse? She's doing the Great Divide. So from the border of Canada and actually it, it starts outside of Banff, I think. It does, um, yeah. I'm 95% sure of that, but she couldn't go there because the Canadian borders are still closed. Um, so, so yeah, she had to start right at the border and then going down to the Mexican border um, and she is doing it self-supported. I mean, she is with two others, her partner, Dan, and then one other, uh, gentleman named Austin, a friend of theirs. Um, and so she's not out there alone, but she, they are, they are totally reliant on, on their own food and shelter and everything. So yeah, yeah it is such a badass thing. And you know what? It's even more badass because Brooke just started writing. <laughs> I Did mean, she? yes, it's not like you know, someone that's been riding their bike for 10 years is like, oh, I'm going to do this epic thing. She just started, I think this is her second season only. Um, so that's even more badass. Like biking is not second nature to her. She's not like all, you know, it, it just doesn't feel, she's not like totally comfortable and at one on her bike and in the saddle. And here she's like throwing herself into this huge adventure. Um, I can't, I don't know the stats exactly, but it is, I think it's 2000 miles and I think 200,000, um, vert vertical feet so it's okay. it's a monster um she'll be out there for two to three months um so i've been tracking her progress and communicating with her every now and then and you know there's like so many so much shit that that's popping up i mean it's <laughs> like you're you're up for that adventure it's not gonna go by totally. yeah it's not gonna go perfectly exactly um you guys have more black girls do bike events when she's done when she's back in the city is that correct we do yeah we've got um our last one in august i think it's august okay. 18th or something Okay, we got to check in later because I think that is so yeah. cool. Let's get her together. But Britt, thanks for everything you're doing. Like, not only are you setting up your kid for the best platform, but it's like, you know, if anyone's getting into mountain biking, there's a really cool platform. So yeah, and there's so many you. people out there that uh, would love to support you. You know, people people like myself that have been biking for 10 years and want to share the joy. So yeah, just don't be hesitant to like reach out to, to mentors and people that have been doing it a long time. The community is real and thriving. Totally. It is so real. It is so, it's such a cool community. I'm like honored to be part of it and so happy that life brought me into it. Well, Brett, I'm so excited for you. You got a wedding coming up. You got a kid coming up. You're doing tons of coaching. So just keep being a badass, would you? You too, man. You too. Keep rocking. You're living a good life too there in BC and half time in BC, half time in Denver. So let's get on the trail together. Let's get on the trail. Thanks a lot, Brett. All right. Have a great one. All right, no cool guy attitudes here. I laugh when I compare the scene is like at the trailhead of a mountain bike parking lot compared to a surf break. Roll into a new trail network and you'll find anyone happy to point you in the right direction or even a mountain bike event to get to know where or who to ride with. This is a community I am totally psyched to be a part of. It was so great to see how the mountain bike can bring the best out of all of us and proud to see where it's going. As always, Yeti Nation, thanks for tuning in. Stoked to see all y'all out in the trails.